Welcome to Our Political Moment, the stories behind the structure. Each episode, we bring you stories from around Philadelphia that demonstrate how structural oppression is ingrained in our lives. I'm one of your hosts, Sergio Sea, and today we're going to dig into what it means to live in a sanctuary city. As a queer person, I know I have felt oppression and fear related to homophobia and the patriarchy, but I've never felt that I had to escape the country to feel safe or free. For many queer people around the world, migration is the only answer. Ivan Jose Nunez, a gay Mexican, had to make this hard choice after the murder of a gay friend. Fearing that he could meet the same fate, Ivan came to the U.S. in 2001, settling in Chester County. In 2014, he met and fell in love with an American citizen, who he married two years later. In January 2018, Ivan met with federal authorities in West Philadelphia to resolve his status. Instead, he was taken into custody. This was a nonviolent offender, someone married to an American citizen, and despite being in a sanctuary city, he was still arrested and sent to York County Detention Center, where he sat for nine months. Recently, our storyteller and interviewee, Miguel Andrade, an organizer with Juntos here in the city, went to York County Detention Center to speak with detainees. He shares his story of growing up as undocumented, the impact it had on his family, and how that experience is still happening to the people he met with at York County. My name is Miguel Andrade. I am the communications manager for the nonprofit organization Juntos here in Philadelphia. I'm also an immigrant. I was born in Colombia and I came to Philadelphia when I was around five years old. Grew up in North Philadelphia, Northeast Philly, and currently reside in West Philadelphia. I wanted to talk a little bit about my experiences as an immigrant doing immigrant rights work. What is considered one of the most progressive sanctuary cities in the country. Personally, myself, I'm very involved in immigrant rights because it's, it's a very personal issue for me as an immigrant myself. I was undocumented for almost 20 years. So I had my father deported when I was around 10 or 12 years old. And I just vividly remember ICE agents or what I believe might have been INS at the time come to my house, my father handcuffed, sort of going frantic, having federal agents going through my house, trying to find things, going to my room. And I also vividly remember just going to visit my dad at the detention center before he was deported. Those experiences that a lot of people go through. I think when people People think about immigration most of the times tend to think of only the sole individual that is going through the issue but never really talk about the family unit immigration affects an entire family when you take somebody away when you rip somebody away from a household that affects everybody that gets left behind do I do this work because I've experienced what this government does to to my people my community I got to a point where I was fed up and I needed to fight back and I need to create change and I need to make sure that this doesn't happen to other people because it's very rough the trauma of survival Having a deportation is something that is oftentimes not talked about either. Doing this work, I, I'm very lucky. I get to meet some amazing individuals. I get to hear some amazing stories of resilience, but I also get to hear sort of the nitty gritty truth of like what it is to be an undocumented immigrant living in the city of Philadelphia. I feel like a lot of times when you think about immigration issues, you think about sort of like border, like Texas or like Arizona or stuff like that. These stories that you hear down there are also happening here in the Northeast. So I recently had the opportunity to visit the York County Detention Center, which is actually the second largest state-run ICE detention center in the country here in Pennsylvania, about maybe two hours from Philadelphia. The reason that we were going there was to sort of do a site visit to see what the conditions of the detention center was and to hear firsthand from individuals there what their experience was and if, if they had any complaints to let us know. 
I was able to go inside. I got clearance along with a few of my other coworkers and colleagues from across the state to sort of see firsthand the conditions of the York Detention Center and what people who are detained there go through. Most of the people that get detained in Philadelphia or the surrounding areas end up at the York County Detention Center as well as people from like Maryland, New York, and Tri-State area. We were greeted by the, the ICE agents. Once we started going through the facility itself, you could just feel there was definitely energy in the air but it wasn't it wasn't positive not to be over dramatic but you could feel the sorrow that was happening in that place you know we're walking through it's like a very dark and dreary sort of environment with this sterile smell all throughout it and we were able to go through where people were detained in one massive room no privacy just bunk beds we saw where the women were detained where the men were detained and got to see where people ate and all the isolation units the hole as they called it where people had recreation outside there was no actual outdoor area it was just like one big room with two giant windows so people are actually detained there and are not allowed to go outside at all like they say they're going outside but it's just really one big room that has like an open window and just seeing the conditions and seeing how the place was I couldn't fathom living there you know I was only there for a couple of hours and people that have been there for nine months 11 months a year two years and I couldn't even take it so after doing the tour we were able to sit down with some of the people who were detained and he listened from them directly about what their experiences were. It didn't surprise me, but one of the main things that all of the people that we talked to said was that they had no idea we were going to be there until the day before. So not that many people were able to sign up, essentially, to, to talk to us. Mind you, we had been planning that visit for six months. I think it's very purposeful that they weren't made aware that these outsiders were coming in to the detention center until the day before. So we started doing the interviews. One of the main themes of all the stories stories that we heard was one the lack of privacy in the bathrooms like people would have to go into the bathroom and just do their business right next to each other there's no privacy at all the other main one was the issue with water they had to use the water from the bathroom to be able to cook their sort of like cup of noodles or their food and stuff and they just talked about the smell and how essentially the water was just connected to the drainage system and you could just smell that it was connected to sewer there was this young guy there who talked about that he had developed a rash because of the quality of the water he showed me say like the bruises from the rash that he had gotten and then he just proceeded to say that he had gotten no medical attention at all he had been telling them that this was an issue had gotten nothing, got to the point where he had a fever. After like maybe two days of having a fever, they gave him ibuprofen. That was it. That was like the extent of the medical attention that he received. There was another a woman who talked about the fact that like she couldn't go into the shower because the quality of the water was so bad that her hair was falling out. That every time she would shower, like her hair was falling out in clumps. The women were saying in the showers, they only had scalding hot water that they would leave essentially boiled red after taking a shower while the men had no hot water at all they had to shower in frigid cold water horror story after horror story and about the conditions and the lack of care and the treatment that people had people weren't allowed to congregate in groups larger than, than four people they had their bible study group canceled they were told they were colluding or coming up with i don't know 
organized or or something. People just felt very broken when I when I was talking to them. Being in the detention center, I was able to reflect a little bit with this country's immigration system and the fact that like my father was detained at a center. He wasn't detained at York. I was relatively young when it happened, and my mom never spoke about whatever happened at the detention center. I do vividly remember that like you know my father always had a generally cheery disposition, and while we were visiting him at the detention center, that was gone. And that was very much the same dreary look I saw in person after person while we were sitting there. It, the the light was sort of like gone from them. That's sort of what these detention centers and prisons in general are built for. They're built to break your spirit and run you down into the ground. I'm also not surprised that a lot of people end up signing their own auto deportation. You're sitting there and going through all this thing and you have ICE agents saying like, if you sign this piece of paper, you can get out of here. Yeah, I can understand why a lot of people sign and end up being deported immediately and don't fight back. So it also brought a new perspective because one of the things that we do in organizing and tell people is that like once you get detained, like don't sign anything, don't do anything. We can still fight for you while you're in there. But the people that are inside and the people that do stay and the people that do fight are incredibly strong. Those systems are meant to break you. And the fact that like people, Javier here in Philly or like Ivan and like all these other people that we worked with who spent months and months while we fought their cases and they were able to continue to fight is incredible it's absolutely outstanding that they were able to do that there's a story of this one guy that he really got me he recent arrival from cuba spent 15 days adrift out at sea got lost he then got picked up by a cruise ship they got taken to one of the caribbean islands got dropped off in central america then made his way up through central america through mexico and then presented himself at the border to a request for asylum and he was immediately detained, immediately transported to York. The thing that got me, his family that's in Miami has no idea if he is alive or dead. They haven't heard from him ever since he left the island. And that just kind of broke me. Like, I'm like, you are here uh, very clearly alive and there, you have no way of contacting like your loved ones. Everybody had the same background story. They just wanted to come here for a better life, coming here for freedom, running from persecution or running from violence. Sold the entire world the idea of the American dream. So everybody believes it. People get here and then they're treated like the scum of the earth. And that is how we're treating people who are seeking freedom, who are seeking liberation, who are running from persecution, right? We talk about the U.S. is the land of the free. It's all talk. We don't practice it. We actually incarcerate the most number of people in the world. We can't talk about the values of freedom while we do this to our own people. Miguel's story of the people he encountered at the York County Detention Center are people trying to survive in a city that is supposed to provide sanction. In our interview, Miguel explains what does it mean to be a sanctuary city and examines if Philadelphia is living up to those values. Thank you, Miguel, for sharing that story and and being vulnerable with us. I want to get into some questions about your work and the issues facing the immigrant population in Philly. Could you tell me a little bit more about the work that you do with Juntos? Thank you for having me. I think it, this is an amazing opportunity. I love the work that you all do, so thank you so much for having me. As I said earlier, I'm the communications manager for Juntos. Juntos is an immigrant rights-led nonprofit here in Philadelphia based out of South Philly. We've been around for 15, 16 years. I've been at the organization for seven, eight years. Uh, on and off, started off as a youth organizer and really sort of using my experiences as an undocumented young person to like really push forward and create those spaces for other undocumented young people in the community. A lot of the spaces that I didn't have available to me and really pushing forward 
But one of the main cruxes of Puntos' work is leadership development and making sure that our community is sort of like in the forefront. We are staunch believers that those who are most affected are the ones that need to be leading this fight. So when we talk about immigrant rights, we need to let actual immigrants <laughs> in the forefront and talk about these issues and, and come up with these solutions because nobody knows better than the person going through this experience. So we've done a lot of leadership development. We've done work here in Philadelphia to turn Philadelphia into a quote-unquote sanctuary city or welcoming city or however the city wants to name itself. We've done work around different detention cases, uh, around shutting down some of the local detention centers, and just general advocating for people's rights. So one of our taglines is that immigrant rights are human rights, right? We, we need to stop labeling this as like an issue and talk about uh, immigration is an issue of like humanity. Like we need to talk about people as humans. And what we see right now in this climate is that it's a very staunch, deliberate attempt to dehumanize people. You touched on this, but I want to dig more into this. So uh, Philly is known to have the most progressive sanctuary city policies in the nation. What are those policies and how do they set us apart from other cities? I mean, we're very proud to say that. I'm also very proud to say that the language that ended up being adapted into Philadelphia's most progressive sanctuary city policy was actually written and drafted by community members. It was drafted by community members in the basement of like our old office in South Philadelphia at like 8th and Snyder. And it was the people who came up with the idea of like how you know, what it is that they wanted and, and jotted down all the things that they wanted. And then we sent it off to the lawyers so they could turn it into legalese. But essentially what the initial sanctuary city policy said was that local police do not have to honor what are known as ice holds or detention requests that come from immigration unless they are joined by a signed judicial warrant, which immigration agents never do because they never want to do their, their job. They want to use other resources like our local police to, to sort of entrap and ensnare people. Uh, what the initial policy did was essentially say to all Philadelphia local police, if you receive one of these requests, because it's a request, an ice hold isn't like a, a warrant or and it's essentially just an ice agent saying, hey, I saw you picked up fulano de tal, can you hold them while we pick them up? That's essentially what an ice hold is. So Philadelphia police were instructed to not honor those. That was the initial sanctuary city policy at the time. And I believe at that point when Philadelphia signed it, we were maybe number 19 or 20 of in the country who had a quote-unquote sanctuary city policy and then months after that maybe 200 other municipalities uh, across the country followed suit after Philadelphia got theirs um, so we're very proud of that fact we're also very proud of being one of the first cities to expand what sanctuary means and expand our sanctuary city policies with like ending the the PARS database contract agreement last year so PARS was the preliminary arraignment reporting system one of our local criminal justice databases that ICE had access to, and we led that entire fight, or we were one of the, the main leads on it to ensure that ICE no longer had access to people's data as well. Do you agree that we are a sanctuary city? And if not, how are we not living up to that title? That is a very good question, and I often get asked this a lot. I think there is a sort of sense of pride that comes from being in Philadelphia and in being known as a sanctuary city or welcoming city or whatever you want to call us. I do believe that we can't truly be a sanctuary city when our people are still being detained, right? I think we also need to expand what the definition of sanctuary is 
and broaden it so that it's not solely about an immigrant experience, but it's about the experience of like our communities as a whole as for the liberation of like black and brown people. Like we can't be a sanctuary city if we have like broken window policing, racial profiling, stop and frisk. We can't be a sanctuary city if our schools are dilapidated. We can't be a sanctuary city if people don't have adequate housing or healthcare. Like these are all things like being able to live in sanctuary, being able to live in peace, being able to live as your full self. That is what being a true sanctuary city means. And until we have that, until we have that sense of liberation for all of us, I don't think we can actually call ourselves a sanctuary city. I also think that now the term sanctuary is a little bit sort of like overplayed and used a lot. And I think it's losing a little bit of oomph or gravitas, (laughs) if you want to go there. There's a lot more that we can do to live up to what sanctuary truly could be. So no, I do not believe that Philadelphia is a sanctuary city for all those reasons. While all of these experiences and all of these abuses and human rights issues are happening within our city, we can't truly call ourselves a sanctuary city. With the existence of Berks County Detention Center and the opening of Vision Quest's unaccompanied immigrant youth shelter in North Philadelphia, what does Juntos see as the common struggle between these two spaces? We've been involved in the in the fight to shut down the Brooks Detention Center for years at this point. Many of my coworkers had actually gone into the, the Brooks Detention Center, visited a lot of the women who have been on the inside. My coworker and essentially boss, uh, Eddie Calmiron, actually got arrested for hugging some of the women at the Brooks County Detention Center. So we've been very active in shutting down that It's known as a family residential center, but it's really a prison. In Spanish, there's a saying, aunque la jaula sea dorado y sigue siendo jaula, like if a golden cage is still a cage. People are being deprived of their freedoms. People are being deprived of being you know, able to live their full life. People are being detained for, for months, for years at, the, at this center. You know, There's been documented cases of abuse at the Brooks County Detention Center. Sexual abuse, sexual assault, ne- medical neglect. That center still continues to operate right outside of Philadelphia, like an hour and a half, two hours from here. And then now we have Vision Quest, who's trying to open up a juvenile you know, detention center. Again, they're trying to call it as like a juvenile like sort of like temporary housing unit but again a golden cage is still a cage they may have the most up-to-date and the most newest furniture like newest things but these are still immigrant young people unaccompanied minors who are being detained in a center in north philadelphia kind of blows my mind a little bit that you know being a sanctuary city uh, even though i just spent a good time talking about how we are not (laughs) how i don't believe that we're a sanctuary city but on paper you know we are known as a sanctuary city so to have uh, an immigrant juvenile immigrant detention center within our city borders is just like it blows my mind that that's even a possibility right it's bad enough that we have Berks it's bad enough that we have York right outside of Philadelphia but to have this detention center being opened up in the Logan area of the city which is one of the areas with like the least amount of resources given to here in the city of Philadelphia it it just blows my mind that this is even a possibility and I think it, it speaks to the broader issue of the massive wave of detention and incarceration, and especially the, the detainment and incarceration of black and brown communities. We have all of these detention centers where the majority of the people who are detained are black and brown. And it is a money-making, profit-making machine that is widespread and, and trying to inch its way here into our city. And I think it is our duty as people who believe in the humanity of all of us to fight back against all of these forms of detention and incarceration in any way, shape that we can. What is the most common narrative you feel divides Philadelphians 
in supporting the immigrant community within our city? So being as I do communications for the organization, I have the pleasure of always reading a lot of the comments that people leave <laughs> when it comes to this issue, especially shout out to the commenters on the philly.com webpage. Y'all are amazing. Not really. But one of the biggest things and biggest trends that I hear all the time is just like, you know, these are criminals. Like these are people like, why are you like supporting them? Like deport them back out of here. Like they're draining our resources. And I have issue with the use of the word criminal, right? I feel like one, it is often used to dehumanize people who have committed either crimes or whatever. I'm a staunch believer in redemption and second chances. I don't think that like if you mess up, you should be punished for the rest of your life for it. So that's one thing. But two, I think when you think of the word criminal, you sort of have a already a, an idea of what that is, right? You think of the word criminal and you think it's somebody who robbed somebody, killed somebody or whatever. But you have to actually look at how these laws are being written and the fact that like we need to talk about the criminalization of black and brown bodies the the mere existence of being a black and brown person in this country is being criminalized the mere existence of being an immigrant is being criminalized so when you talk about you know people being criminals you're talking about the fact that it's people's existence being criminalized and not valued which is also an issue within the immigrant community itself like a lot of times community members will and it's a and it's a very natural reaction you you want to you know say like they treat us as criminals we're not criminals that we're just here fighting back you know or fighting for our lives but one of the things that we always tell community members is that we can't use that as a way to separate us from the other we can't throw you know our brothers and sisters who do have records under the bus to try and sort of like liberate ourselves and also the fact that in the eyes of the law we're all criminals quote-unquote because of our mere existence of being here without document what are some of the recent successes of juntos and how can people get involved in supporting Juntos and the immigrant communities within Philadelphia? Like I mentioned earlier, Juntos has been around for 15, 16 years. And some of our biggest victories, I mean, obviously, turning Philadelphia into a sanctuary city in the first place was a huge victory. Then last year, expanding with what a sanctuary city policy meant was another huge victory. The case of Javier Flores, uh, who was in detention for, you know, I believe 13 months in uh, at York, I believe, and then spent 11 months in sanctuary at a local church here in San city philadelphia we were able to win and elevate his case and most recently being able to gain the municipal ids here in the city of philadelphia was a huge victory um, not only for the immigrant community but for other marginalized communities that don't have access to a, a proper government issued id so these are huge victories and what's really powerful about each and every one of them is that they were led by the community they were led by the people who are most affected and that again is the crux of juntos's work so if you want to support local community-led organizations that are doing the work feel free to reach out to our website bamosjuntos.org b-a-m-o-s-j-u-n-t-o-s.org there's a volunteer form that you can fill out we can send out calls to action so that you can join us sign up for our listserv follow us on social media and just be on the lookout for the next call to action we never really know when the next attack is going to come down against our communities and we need to be able to mobilize quickly and we need to mobilize as a community, as a city in order to be able to fight back. You can also call our office uh, in South Philadelphia at 215-218-9079. Thank you, Miguel, so much for talking to us today and sharing your stories. We're obviously going to have all of the information that Miguel talked about listed on our website, reclaimphiladelphia.org.
y obviamente para la comunidad que de pronto nos está escuchando, eh, tenemos reuniones mensuales uh, donde puede involucrarse eh, personalmente usted. Otra vez puede llamar a nuestra oficina al 215-218-9079. Síganos por el Facebook, mándenos mensajes por Facebook, por Twitter, por Instagram. Eh, involúcrese porque necesitamos que todos nosotros trabajemos para la liberación de toda nuestra gente. Thanks for listening to Our Political Moment. This show is produced by Reclaim Philadelphia. Our team includes Sergio Sea, Kelly Morton, and Leah Sorrentino. Special thanks to our storyteller and interview guest, Miguel from Punto. The music from this episode is from Kilimanzago, and you can find the full track on our website. Make sure you're subscribing to Our Political Moment. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, or on our website. Let us know what you think of this show. Head to our website and comment on this episode or rate us on iTunes.